everyone. You're listening to A Walk Across Texas State. I'm Bridget Sarbu, joined by Tori Graham and Zachary Webb. Hey, guys. Hey. Hello. So we are going to switch it up a little bit today, and we are going to take some listener questions. So, ding, ding, if you have listener questions, you can actually send them in to us now. So uh, we, we have a few uh, can you add a sound effect there, Zachary? <laughs> I can try, yeah. Cool, okay. Um, so yeah, so Zachary has curated our questions, and we're going to take a stab at giving these an answer. Yeah. I should add, too, that we, Bridget, and I have not seen them or read them. Good point. That so. may or may not be obvious. <laughs> <after>. <laughs> Whoa. I'm sorry, that's, guys. That's a good uh, point, actually. <laughs> yeah, and, and maybe y'all might be doing second takes of these anyway, so like that might not even be true. Uh, but I feel, like, I feel like we're good. So, hi, everyone. I guess I'm kind of the interviewer today. The curator of the interview from the students. So, are y'all ready to go uh, first one? Yeah. Sure. Okay, so our first question is from actually an alumni, a former student of ours here in career services, um, Pablo. And Pablo would like to know, do you think that video interviews will become the standard or more commonplace after the pandemic? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I uh, there's pros and cons to video interviewing, I think. So, but I think that the pros might outweigh the cons in certain circumstances. I think for if if you're applying to jobs locally and you're close to the employer, I think in person will come back in some aspect. But I could also see um, like uh, what am I looking for? Like interviews that weed people out, those introductory mm-hmm. uh, interviews. I could see those moving to video. But I think that if you're gonna if you're expanding your horizons and you're applying a ton of places you know, nationally, globally, I think video interviewing is going to become the norm because recruiters don't have to pay for travel. Um, it You can schedule literally any time of day and you don't have to worry about the commute and all of that. So I, you know, I don't know if I can predict the future, but I can imagine that the ease of video interviewing will make it more normal than it has ever been before. Yeah, I think I agree with that, too. I think, especially for out-of-state ones, whereas before, they may have just not as considered, they would, they may not have considered someone as strongly being an out-of-state applicant um, because they didn't want to have to either pay for that person to come and interview or they didn't think that the person would pay on their own accord to do it. Mm -hmm. And so just thinking like the realistic, I guess, ness of it working out with that person um, may have kept them from Mm -hmm. having those conversations. Whereas now when everyone has been forced to have all of their conversations that way, they may trust their own ability to make a decision on someone via a video Mm -hmm. interview. Whereas before it was all about, we got to see what they're like in person. So I think to a degree it could remain kind of the standard, but I do think that if logistics are not a huge problem, most employers will want to do in-person because I think people are going to be so starved for Mm. in-person activities. Uh, So I I could see it going 
either way. That's a great question, Pablo. Hmm. Yeah. But I think it's also, it's going to be really important for students to get in the mindset of, because we talk about this sometimes, when, when you're going to an interview, you should always get in the mindset that you're going to interview with like five to 20 people, even if you don't, right? So I think that as students are beginning to apply to jobs, they should start to prepare for those video interviews in anticipation of the possibilities. But then again, we are also out of practice of being in person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I feel like we might need to practice mm-hmm. like interpersonal skills again. So <laughs> yes, I can attest. I've definitely gotten way more awkward. It's really <laughs> sad. <laughs> uh, people didn't used to be so scary. And now when you see someone coming at you, you kind of freak out <laughs> and have to find an alternative route. Anyways. Uh. All right, so our next question (laughs) is from a current student, Jocelyn, who works here at Career Services. Her question is, what are some things students can do now to have a better chance at scoring a job after graduation? I'll contextualize this a little bit. Uh, Jocelyn's a sophomore or junior year. So what can students do at about that uh, time frame to start preparing for the job search? Good question. I will jump in, I suppose. Um, So... I'd say a big thing is learning about what you do and don't like. And um, when it comes to certain tasks, certain skills that you enjoy using, things you don't, and uh, ways to learn that about yourself would consist of getting an internship, hopefully, uh, to get some tangible hands-on experience, perhaps in the field that you're looking at. Um, but also doing things like joining student organizations um, or even volunteering, really anything just to get your yourself more exposed to different types of experiences and meeting certain people that could help you um, maybe get connected to an internship or even a full-time job. So really just diversifying your experience through a bunch of different methods. What do you think, Bridget? Yeah, I was thinking back to all the years ago when I was in college um, and the ways that I got connected, because I know sometimes internships are not necessarily a possibility for every student. Mm-hmm. Um, volunteering is, is uh, so I didn't even have a high school job because I'm lame, but I always volunteered with my church and I always volunteered in the summers with a summer camp. So I didn't get paid, but, um, you know, I learned how to teach students through my camp experience. I uh, learned the grind of creating daily sort of icebreaker activities, which was a big part of my career for a long time. Um, but also, like like you said, Tori, the, the network that I developed was quintessential mm-hmm. because those people, even though a lot of my volunteering was in high school, ended up being references for me later after I graduated college. Mm-hmm. So I think that's huge. The other thing, you know, is getting involved in student student organizations. And we've talked about it a lot on the podcast with many of our guests, but the experience you gain from that or Greek life, um, especially when you get into leadership positions, can, can help you build those marketable skills like teamwork and communication and things like that. So... I think those are very easy and fun things to get involved in Yeah, um, that can build those skills. Yeah. Another thought on student organizations, too, especially ones that are maybe even 
kind of like field specific. Mm -hmm. You never know when your peers may be working at an employer that you are trying to get your foot in the door with, you know, five years down the road. And so if you have those relationships that are still strong, um, you just never know how that can actually directly affect your career. Um, So, yeah, things to consider. Awesome. Our next question is from Skylar, um, kind of along the same vein here. In I think it's a good one, very creative. What is some career advice you would give to yourself during undergrad? <laughs> uh, so much. Yeah. Let's see, how okay. long do I have to think about this? <laughs> okay, so I, I got mine pretty fast. I really, really, really super wish I had seen a career counselor um, or someone who could have given me advice as a freshman because my sort of hearkening back to high school again, my high school actually did a really good job of teaching us about how to interview, how to, you know, dress to impress, et cetera. But um, I thought I knew what I wanted to do as a junior in high school, and then I pursued that field. And if you've listened to the podcast a little bit, you know it didn't exactly turn out how I wanted it to. But later in life, I found out there were all kinds of things I really loved doing um, and different fields I had never even considered. For example, I didn't know that you could get a job in a career services office, but uh, clearly you can. <laughs> <laughs> but I wish I had talked to someone who could have like expanded my horizons a bit um, because if I could go back in time, I probably would have switched my degree. Mm. Ooh, but here I am now, so, you know, mm-hmm. fun. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> part of my answer is actually a repeat of one of the questions that I just answered. I did not do a good job of getting involved uh, when I was at a and I was very focused really solely on my GPA, which I did do well at that, but and it did help me get my first job, but it really has not been <laughs> important <laughs> at all since then. Um, so I, I would have focused more so on getting involved with student organizations and getting certain experiences rather than primarily focusing on the GPA. And um, I did work part-time during that, so I did build some skills and experiences through that, but I, I just really wish I would have done a better job of not only getting some of those experiences and building relationships that way, but also learning what sort of opportunities were available for people who were studying my major. I really did not think very much so about the career aspect beyond, I know that I like this subject and I, I really want to study it, but I didn't, I didn't think about kind of where, where that would lead me to. And it led me to some good places. I just wish I would have done some more exploration on the different areas within psychology so that I could have pursued maybe other method or other areas within that, if that makes sense. So this next question is a tough one. It's one that we just get asked a lot. Um, it's one of the hardest questions I think to answer. So this should be fun. Again, y'all have not heard these questions. So this is from Denise, and she asked if we could share some tips on how to negotiate a salary. Oh. Well, hey, do we have <laughs> do we have an episode for you? Because we're gonna maybe have one this season. So, yes. <laughs> is it, so that's our answer. Stay tuned. <laughs> Stay tuned. Um, 
My <laughs> advice, let me get my thoughts together for this because it is one of the hardest questions to answer. Um, my advice would be to use a lot of the salary tools online to try to get an idea of what the market is doing in the geographical location that you're kind of looking at for the type of job that you are looking at. And the thing you will find is when you do that, you're probably going to see some numbers all across the board. So I find that it's good to kind of average those out. And then also if one seems extremely off, like an outlier, maybe disregard that one, just kind of use your best judgment. Um, but try to get a really good understanding of what the market is doing. Because if you don't have any evidence for that number you are asking for, it's not going to serve you very well. Um, so that would be my first advice. And then when it comes to <laughs> presenting that to an employer, my advice is to never bring up money first. Um, let them bring that up because you don't want to come across as only that's your the main thing you're focused on when it comes to a job. Um, but I, I have heard and read that it's, it's helpful to provide a range as opposed to like an exact number. Um, but that, yeah, those are some, some guidance that I have. Tori, when specifically should you broach this subject? Mm -hmm. So I usually would recommend waiting until they ask you, what are you looking for? Or um, what, yeah, what are you looking for? And then I'd be prepared with my my range and why that is my range and also what you're bringing to the table. Because employers don't tend to care so much about why you need this money. It's not because you need to pay your bills and you need to pay for your family and all that. They care about what's in it for them. And so you need to pr propose like, I'm bringing this, all these 25 million skills, and that is why I'm worth this salary. Uh, so that's, yeah. So I, I have all that information prepared. I just don't let it escape my mouth until I get asked about it. Yeah. I, all of that is all I've read and heard. Um, but I think a piece of advice that I've learned from attempting to negotiate salary in the past is I waited up until I was pretty sure I was going to get an offer and then I did the research. And I think that limited my negotiation skills because I hadn't invested enough time in the research. And, and like Tori said, research the salary range, um, but also research like what skills correspond with that salary range and then try to see if you match them. Because the other thing is, is you don't want to overshoot the negotiation mm -mm. either. You don't want to ask for this like <laughs> huge astronomical number um, if your skills don't match that number for other people who are already in that field. Mm -hmm. So Yeah. I'd also encourage people to really look at the whole package because mm. um, things like insurance, which usually... Mm -hmm folks can stay on their parents' insurance until 26, I believe, age 26. At least that's what it is in 2021. Um, but they, at some point, you will probably need to pay for your own insurance. And so some companies cover that completely. Some, that's an additional three to $400 out of your paycheck. 
Um, but not only that, pay time off and vacation because time off is a really wonderful thing that everybody needs. And if you, <laughs> my first job, I had five days of vacation a whole year and that was really hard and also not really standard. <laughs> so uh, do your research there um, to kind of identify beyond salary what what is important to you and what you're agreeing to. All right. Well, I think that's a great place to end. Thank you all for letting me kind of ask you some listener questions. Appreciate y'all hanging out. Thanks to all the individuals who sent in questions. It was really awesome. And we know so many of you. So um, that being said, we would love to hear from others who listen to the podcast. Send us your thoughts. Um, send us any questions that you have that are career related. And if we don't talk about them live, we can we will find guests who can also cover those topics. We've got a really exciting season coming up. And so we really hope that you'll stay tuned um, and send us questions, please. A Walk Across Texas State is hosted by Bridget Sarview and Tori Graham. Zachary Webb is our producer and editor. Music by Richard Hall. For free resources and additional information about our services, head over to careerservices.txstate.edu and follow us on social media at txstcareers. Don't forget to like and subscribe to hear new episodes every other Tuesday each semester. Thanks for listening and we will see you soon.